religious person mm-hmm. and I am not a believer in God. Mm-hmm. And I also, I don't want to be labeled an atheist per se, mm-hmm. but I like to, I prefer the phrase religion plays no role in my life. So how does this, uh, you know, if you want to have a prayer before the, uh, an event, uh, you know, I'm not going to freak out about it. Right. It's I'm like, also not going to pray. Yeah. So it's like, I'll be respectful. That's like kind of what I'm at as well. And it's like, but I also understand that there are people that like, it gets into like the larger topic of like NASCAR is, and like, I'm talking specifically NASCAR right now. NASCAR is a Christian white man sport. So it's like, if you very much so do we pray before hockey games? I can't remember. No. There's no. no prayer before, uh, there is before IndyCar races as well. Hmm. I don't believe there is at Formula One. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done their social conscious thing last year where everybody, you know, all the drivers go to the front of the grid and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they did that last uh, last week too. Only they held up a banner for UNICEF or something like that. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, which was, you know, which is cool. But mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's the it's the broader topic of what role does religion play and how big a role should it replay in all play in all aspects of life? Mm-hmm. Should should uh, should kids at school pray before class be, before the day starts? Mm-hmm. I mean, we did in our uh, Catholic school, but that's a Catholic. That's school. sort of required at a Catholic school, yeah. isn't it? I mean, like, you're pretty much uh, on the hook there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like I don't remember any of my like public school friends ever saying they prayed before class well i re- well i'm obviously much older than you are but i remember having the lord's prayer said in public school wow not in high school but public school hmm. so like middle school to elementary school yeah okay yeah we always just i mean yeah went to catholic school my sister who switched to a public school halfway in between high, like halfway through high school yeah. it was like there's no religion whatsoever in that school so see yeah. now that i'm i'm not against the teaching of religion oh 100 but you should teach all religions or a very wide spectrum mm-hmm. like if you even if you go to a well i'm i'm, I'm sort of against dividing schools in terms of catholic and public mm-hmm. but you know it should be one school system but there should be a religion class I also agree with that. For me, growing up with in a Catholic school, you had to take a religion class every single year. Right. Um, and grade 11 was your world religion class, which I loved. That was my favorite religion class all of like high school. Um, yeah, yeah. But grade 12, I don't think you should have to take it because at that point it was a waste of a credit because you're not learning anything new that you did the previous two to three years. And it's now taking away a credit that you need for actual college or university. Like I had friends that were like petitioning their school to be like, hey, I can't take this religion class because I have to take this other science class in order to get into the program I want. And like you had to go to the school board to be like, I need to be exempt from this religion class and have that switched out because you technically couldn't graduate a Catholic school without taking four religion credits. So it was like, I feel like in grade 12, it's like, you shouldn't be forced like English, like, yes, like take it every single year. Cause you build and learn upon it. And like, you need English everywhere in your life, but 
I think that's the only mandatory course you should have is your English class every four, like every single year. But the religion class in the final year was a little bit ridiculous, especially for me. The teacher didn't care. Yeah. Um, do you need a religion class every year of high school? Um, I could see it being one or two required years. Mm -hmm. But again, this is not a, you're not teaching strictly Catholicism. I want a wide yeah. spread vision of different religions, different customs, different beliefs, different, um, different ideal systems. That's what I believe should be taught versus one, here's your religion class. Should be a world religion and culture class. And maybe oh, you take yeah. it grade nine and 10, because then that way, when you go to like, I don't know, let's say like Japan, you can have some understanding of like, what's respectful in that culture. 100%. So it's like, because it's like, I'm, I'm sitting here with like my, like my friend who's like very knowledgeable about like the Japan culture and like Muslim and like all this stuff, or sorry, Islam and um, so many different like religions. And I had one world religion class and that is the extent of my knowledge on all these other religions see i think that's uh that gives students uh i almost said kids it gives students uh a much wider uh perspective on different ideals hmm. and religions i'm also that's it's they're treated as electives and in different boards and different areas given more importance arts and culture should also be part yes. of a required curriculum for a while in terms of music and art and, and culture and education and all that, I, because I believe that makes you uh, a much more well-rounded and mm -hmm. knowledgeable person. And having that knowledge helps you in your other studies as well. So I think that dismissing that and that being the first source of cuts, that in physical education classes is mm -hmm. the absolute wrong way to go. So I think it has a real detrimental effect. It really, it really does because it's like, I'm sitting here at 25. I've never traveled outside of North America and my, my knowledge of these other cultures and religions are, is very minimal. Like I'm sitting here and it's like, like being in San Francisco right now is like, I'm meeting people that like grew up in like Indonesia. Like I have roommates from Germany. Like I was talking to someone from Sweden today and it's like, I have no under, I have very minimal understanding of how the world, like how other religions work, but like, I know like Jesus rose on the third day and ascended to heaven 40 days after he was crucified or like was resurrected. So it's like, I'm, I'm like, why do I have that knowledge in my head? And like, why were, why were like points like that drilled into my head through high school, but not like bigger understandings of like the rest of the world. I think that would make for a much happier, more peaceful, calmer world if mm -hmm. that was taught and everyone had the idea of, oh, okay, I have a better understanding of, of your culture and where you come from and how, mm -hmm. how things work. It just, it's, I, I think it would open things up too. I think there'd be, I think that would fuel the curiosity and more people would want to travel and learn mm -hmm. more about it. Yeah. I feel sometimes it's like talking to people who are of other religions or from other countries. I feel very ignorant talking to them. And I'm just like, I, I'm disappointed in my, um, my, my younger education that I got. But you're, but you're asking questions and you're having the conversation yeah. and you're wanting to learn and understand. It's not, you're, you're not dismissing them 
because they're of a different culture mm -hmm. or a different religion, which is unfortunately what so often happens. Mm -hmm. It's a, it, it's a curiosity. And that's, see, that's the great thing about travel too, that um, we, we get to travel a little bit with, with work and stuff, but even pleasure mm -hmm. travel is a whole different thing. It's the uh, people say how much travel costs. Oh, it's thousands of dollars. Yes. But it is, it's not just the trip. It's the trip. And it's the, it's the memories that you carry forward for the rest of your life. If you want mm -hmm. to amortize it in terms of cost, it's minimal in terms of the joy and, and pleasure that you get out of it on a dollar basis. Well, it's like staying here in San Francisco right now. It's like, I'm staying at a hostel. This is my first time staying at a hostel. And just the amount of people I've met from different countries. Like, I don't think I've met anyone that isn't from a different country. Like everyone mm -hmm. here, like either was born in a different country and is like studying and is an, inter is an international student traveling or straight up is like from another country and is just exploring California. So it's like, you can't like being able to travel and then like, and hostels are cheap. Like I think it's like 50 bucks a day Canadian for me to stay in a hostel. And it's like, you're forced by staying in dorms to meet other people. Well, and it, it benefits you in terms of, again, learning different mm -hmm. cultures, learning about different countries. And this is the, this is the other part of it too. It's, you know, it's, it's serious, heavy stuff, whether it be religion or, or cultural beliefs and, and traditions, but it's also, oh, what's the food like in your, in your country? It's different. It, it gives you an opportunity as opposed to just immediately dismissing, oh, well, I don't, I've never eaten that. So I don't like it. Well, mm -hmm. I, I love trying different different foods from different parts of the world. And uh, some of them you like, some of them you don't, but so what, you're going to have another meal in six hours. So it's really not that big a deal in your life. <laughs> so my problem with that, so I went, welcome to racing it out. We've been having this discussion for the last five minutes about, um, I was, I was going to ask you if you wanted to actually start the podcast and do an intro, or if you just wanted to keep going and maybe do we'll it later. Just, so this we'll is cool. Just keep going. Um, okay. if you've been listening for the last five minutes, welcome to racing it out. Um, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, we'll just keep going forward. Um, yeah, I, went I think so. I went to a conveyor belt sushi place yesterday and I'm, <laughs> I'm very worried with fish because I know if you, if like you, you can get very sick from eating bad fish and my roommate yes. that I was with, I was sticking to like my California rolls, my dynamite rolls, like my basics. Um, and she was trying like all these different fish with like, and it, she was trying like nigiri, which for people that don't know are, is the rice with like the raw fish, like placed on top of it. Um, and she was like, she was trying all these different ones. And I was very much like, if I don't know what it is, I'm like a little hesitant to try it. And then she tried like a sea urchin one. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't bring myself to, to try things like that, especially because it's fish. And I'm like, so wary around it because like sure. I said, if it's like prepared improperly, like you can get very sick and I'm like, and I'm in a different country right now. So I don't well, want to even... But but look, turn around and look at the, the view of where you are with that beautiful bridge and the beautiful water. You are on the coast. Mm -hmm. Seafood is not a problem no. in California. You're not you're not really going off the off the road and going too far out on a, on a limb trying good seafood. You know, the, the seafood, you know, close to the ocean is very fresh. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's like when when I'm in Florida, too, that's mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, you're going to get fresh fish. It's if it's not that 
afternoon, it's probably that morning or the day before. So you're, you're pretty, you're pretty okay. So you want to hear the funny story. And we were talking about trying to figure out like food stories for this one. And your, your trying of sushi has reminded me of a story. Going back to, I believe it was 17, 16 or 17, 26 years of the first time we had. So I'm at Pocono Raceway working at an IndyCar event mm-hmm. at, at this particular one. And it's Sunday evening, so it's finished. And we're headed back to our hotel, the producer, uh, camera operator that I'm working with. And I was like, we got to find some place to eat. We got to find some place to eat. And our, our, we stayed a distance away because it usually what's happens at Pocono. So we're staying in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And finally, we get back to the hotel and it's like, you know what? There's a Mohegan Sun casino just down the road in Scranton, Pennsylvania from where we are. So I was like, okay, okay. there's got to be something there that we can, uh, that we can, go okay so we go in and you know you're in a casino so there's you know there's a little bit of everything we're kind of looking around and we spot a sushi place and it's like then we go over and we have a look at it it's like you know what it looks pretty good it looks pretty good so okay okay let's try it why not let's let's go so we sit down it is some of the best sushi i have ever had in my life. I really enjoy sushi. I enjoy all kinds of fish and seafood. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. So then the next year we're going back to the same event, the same guy I'm working with. And he calls or no, he texts, uh, sends me a text message a couple of days before. Hey, Pocono this weekend, Mohegan Sun, sushi. So we land at the air and we go directly from the airport to the sushi place again. And we tell the guy, say, hey, we, we, we came back, we're here. We, we had such a good time last year. And we, we have a couple of different things and different roles and stuff, and it's great. And we said, and we said to him, go ahead, you make us something that you think we would like. Just we're in your hands, we trust, go ahead. So he makes this sushi roll. It's got tempura shrimp and it's got tuna and it's got toasted sesame seeds on the outside of the rice on this roll. It has thin slices of mango on it. is absolutely out of this world good. So it's just, it's, it's funny that I would not, I would not venture a guess that in Scranton, Pennsylvania is one of the greatest sushi restaurants in the world. It was fantastic. Really good. I never would have thought it, there would be an amazing sushi place in Scranton, Pennsylvania either, but I'm now going to have to add to my list the next time I go to Pocono to go and try this place. There you go. I'll, so, I'll send you in the right direction. Yes. I'll, I'll also say the sushi in Toronto is not bad either. It is True. pretty, pretty decent. Um, that's what I, I fresh, it, Toronto's but, yeah, but Toronto's a real multi, multicultural city mm-hmm. though, with lots of different uh, ethnic foods and lots of really good restaurants in in terms of there's there's great Mexican food I've had in Toronto mm-hmm. as well. There's a there's some really nice dim sum uh, as well in different parts of uh, of the city. So yeah, there's lots there's lots of good options. Oh yeah, um, there's no shortage. Um, I live in like in and around Koreatown in Toronto, so you just go for a walk, um, like I think east on Bloor, and there's bubble tea. There's the Korean hot dog places. There's so many ramen. There's pho. There's just in this like two to four block like radius of lore. There's just so many different like places you can go and try. Um, I have unfortunately not eaten anywhere 
that exciting yet in San Francisco. I am going to go try my first In-N-Out burger later today. Very excited. Oh yeah, you mentioned that this was yes. going to be part of your journey. So yeah, uh, yes. uh, yeah, get the uh, get the In-N-Out burger. We'll look forward to uh, your full review on the next. Uh, I will try the animal, the surprise animal style. I promise. Um, <laughs> it's In-N-Out burger here, and I think we're, I'm going to try Whataburger in Arizona next. So we'll see Very how it good. goes. Um, but yeah, tonight we're doing like, we're going to a curry, uh, our hostel's doing a curry and comedy, uh, show tonight. So it's like $17 nice. to like go get some curry and then like go see a comedy show. So we're like, why not go do that? Why not? This Curry's is a cool great. trip. It is. It's very this is a cool. cool trip. Um, if anyone's yeah. ever coming to San Francisco and wants to stay in a hostel, highly recommend Green Tortoise Hostel at like Kearney and Broadway. It's super great. Really cool building. 10 out of 10 recommend. Has a sauna can't go wrong has a sauna and, has and a sauna a, the, that's a great location too mm -hmm. because you're walking distance to a lot of cool things mm -hmm. it's not far to the wharf so that's a that's a really it's a fun city san francisco it's a little you know there's it, it has its areas that are not you know necessarily the safest mm -hmm. like many big cities but it's it is a very cool city with a nice personality we walked around a lot yesterday and my roommate and i the entire time are just sitting there like this would be like a really cool city to live in. Like it would just be like, it seems so <laughs> inclusive in so many ways, like so accessible by bikes if you have the leg strength for it. And like their transit system's amazing. Like there's so mm -hmm. many buses like everywhere. So it's like, and it's like 250 and it, you can just like, you just add the card to your phone and like add money to it. And it's like, you just tap it everywhere. So it's like, and there's just so many cool views. Like we were just walking yesterday and we found this park. Um, it's actually the park by the Painted Ladies if anyone's ever been in San Francisco. Um, and it was just an amazing view of like downtown and like you could kind of see like the tip of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, it was just amazing. So yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous place. Yeah, I haven't been very to the, picturesque. Haven't been to Ocean Beach yet. I'm planning to do that tomorrow. So good for I you. Want, I would like to go see Ocean. That'd be nice. This is wow. the, I mean, this is not officially a work trip. You are working a little bit while you're, while you're traveling, but yeah. that is the, the benefit of doing what we do, where we get to travel around mm -hmm. and enjoy some, some different cities. Sometimes you wish you were able to stay longer just to really experience them, whether it's a, a different kind of restaurant or a different, a different uh, tourist site or something mm -hmm. that the, the city is known for. That is a, a real benefit. So we get to enjoy cool things about our work and also sometimes enjoy just to get out and just even if you've got an extra hour, couple of hours in an afternoon or something just to explore a little bit. I'm really hoping when we go out to Edmonton this year, I'm hoping it kind of lines up because we go Edmonton on the Saturday and then we don't have Saskatoon until the Wednesday. I'm hoping I have a couple extra days depending on like where the flights and like the hotels land. I'm hoping I have a couple extra days that I can drive out to Banff because I've never, oh, yes. never been, never been in a mountain. Want to go see the mountains. So I'm like, I'm really hoping that I have, the, we have the couple extra days in like Edmonton so we can go and see, like, go like exploring a little bit this time. It's worth making the journey. Fingers, mm -hmm. fingers crossed for you there. So, so uh, I do have a racing topic that I wanted to bring up this week and mm -hmm. kind of kick around with you a little bit as well, okay. since we've really covered a lot of, of ground on this one, <laughs> but here's, here's what, and it occurred to me as I've been watching and hearing some announcements of races and events that are coming up over the next little while. It's the, it's sort of the tug of war combination frustration that I have sometimes. One of the things I love about motorsports and racing are traditions that 
things are done a certain way and with a certain rhythm and routine on a regular basis, especially at some of the larger events. And I'll, I'll just use the Indianapolis 500 as an example, because it's, it's probably the one of the best known. It's the one I was is, thinking of as well when you mentioned traditions. Yeah. Right. So they have the, uh, the Purdue band is there. They sing back home again in Indiana. They release the balloons. They have the command. And there's just, there's a real structure to the weekend that things happen and occur in the same way. I think sometimes people get this confused with, we need to do everything the same way it has always been done. And here's mm. my example, again, with related IndyCar, the event that took place at Texas Motor Speedway. It's the last year of the contract for this event with IndyCar. It moved up in the schedule this year. It's normally been later in the year. And there's the gripe about the, the track is more suited to NASCAR because they put a substance down that helps NASCAR and the, the cars run side by side. And it's not very, it doesn't make the Indy cars very happy. So they've had to you know try to bend and accommodate to that. The crowd this year wasn't apparently very good, but they did have some good racing action. The frustrating part is that, well, if, if we lose this event, if this event doesn't come back, we have to replace it with another oval because IndyCar is based on ovals and the Indianapolis 500, of course, is the most famous oval, but we mm -hmm. always have to have a certain number of oval races. And if this one goes away, I heard the suggestion that, well, maybe we can get Milwaukee back. Well, Milwaukee wasn't a moneymaker for years and it was, it was withering on the vine. And it doesn't mean that but there's the, those that are stuck in the past, I'll say, that we always have to do this this way. We always have to have a certain number of oval tracks. Give the people what they want is as much as anything. I mean, there was a giant, there was a giant push this year to bring back Iowa Speedway with IndyCar. And they're doing, uh, uh, they're doing a twin doubleheader. There's a lot of money being put into this. They're having concerts before and after each race. And that's cool to try to, revitalize and bring back this event but again there are those that are bitching about well if i want to go to a concert i'll go to a concert i want to go to a race who says you can't have both who says you can't yeah. have entertainment and make it a weekend it's just we get so stuck in in these little pockets of oh it must be exactly this and we can't deviate away from it at all. I find that so frustrating. Why, again, like a food, why wouldn't you want to try something different? They're not all going to work, but mm -hmm. sometimes trying something different is not a bad idea. No, it's never a bad idea. And it's like the worst thing that happens is like, maybe you end up losing money on it and then you just don't resign the contract. But best case scenario, right. you try something completely out of the blue and it ends up being a huge success and you make a crap ton of money off of it and you get all this publicity for it because it's like it's not just you're not just talking about ticket sales there it's like if you do something huge it's gonna make news some way so it's like why not take that risk and try to do something different whether it's having a concert whether it's going to a brand new track whether it's going to uh, maybe something that's a, a state that's or a province that's a little riskier to like with a smaller population. Who knows how it's going to turn out? It could end up being one of the greatest races of all time. It could be a spectacular event like NASCAR at the LA Coliseum. 
Exactly. Trying something different, taking a risk and it paying off so much because that, that race is in my opinion, iconic now. Oh, I, I agree. I think that you've really set a standard for mm -hmm. what a special event could be. It's not a, it's not a regular scheduled race in terms of points paying in the championship. Mm -hmm. This is a special event. This is something unique and different. So, so why not try that? I mean, I've, I, I chose Coda for the background <laughs> this week for the podcast, but NASCAR at Coda. There were so many that were resistant to mm -hmm. more road courses and different road courses. Like, oh, well, we've got the two at Watkins Glen and Sonoma. That's enough. Try something different. Coda is a spectacular facility, mm -hmm. which whichever discipline is, is running on it. And I've seen a, a bunch of different ones. It's a fantastic facility. Austin's a great town. Why wouldn't you want to try to grow and expand your product? And this is the the point about the podcast that we've talked about too, is that we're trying to be inclusive and bring more people in as opposed to, nope, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And if you don't like it, you stay away. Why not try to welcome and bring more people into it? <clears throat> NASCAR cup to CTMP, please. That'd be great. <laughs> I think you could get a lot of, lot of fans from over Ontario and Quebec and probably all over Canada that would love to come and see a cup race in Canada. Okay. So let's, let's play with that a little bit. Okay. Because the truck series has come to CTMP. Mm -hmm. The Xfinity, Xfinity, formerly Nationwide, was mm -hmm. in Montreal at mm -hmm. uh, Circuit Gilles Villeneuve and had some yeah, success there. Thank you. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> um, but the Cup Series has not gone outside the borders of the continental United States yet mm -hmm. for a points paying race. They did demonstration races a couple of years back, well, more than a couple of years. Would it have to be an every year thing or would it be say once every two, three, four, five years as part of the schedule? What if you shuffled out say a Road America but subbed in a CTMP every three years or so? That would be interesting if you had like rotating a rotating road course race and you go and you try all those different little road course tracks to kind of like get your feet wet and see what the markets are. That's actually probably be a really smart idea to like kind of see what the markets are in different areas. Um, I think CTMP, the, I, I actually really like that idea of like rotating it out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like trying to conceptualize and think about it now. It's like, that's actually, you're taking that risk of like mm -hmm. one track, you might lose money on one track one year, but then you could end up gaining it all back if not more the next. So it's like taking something like, coda and like doing coda one year and then going to maybe back to uh montreal and then maybe going to ctmp or you, you know? didn't want to say circuit Villeneuve. i don't want to <laughs> my french is awful right now god like, no, see I that's can't. that's that's the extent of my french is i can say you know circuit Villeneuve with the accent a little bit but that's 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 the extent of my french so i'm just but i, I i'm glad that you're open to to such an idea though and mm -hmm. i like that it's you know what again a risk is worth taking it's worth trying if it's if it's something new if it's something you haven't done before whether it's racing whether it's in a part of your life that well i don't know if it might if it's, this is going to work out but you know what what if it does isn't that, isn't that a more positive way to look at it? I'm always 100%. the, I'm always the glass half full kind of person. So what if it does work out? That could be really great. And why not focus on that and draw and drive your attention towards that? Yeah. It's, 
it's something I've been working on a lot in the last year because I find I want to say like 2018 and through like the pandemic maybe within the last year my view on that kind of stuff has kind of changed of like you know like going going to Daytona is actually a really hard decision for me to like make that like choice to go because it was like it was going to be quite a bit of money and we were planning mm -hmm. it so late that I was like we we're trying to find ways to make it le like cheaper and like less inexpensive and less expensive um and it straight up was like it seems like you want to go what if you go and it works out totally fine like what if and it's like what are the chances that that's actually going to happen that you're actually like you're going to go and then you're going to be totally fine afterwards financially probably a pretty good chance i'll be totally fine and i was so it's like i have really started to kind of shift my view into that glass half full and stop being a lot less negative about stuff and a lot less I have a bad issue with catastrophizing a lot of stuff. <laughs> so it's like, it's, 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 it, but there's, there's a, and I had this explained to me, I, uh, it was probably a few years ago now is that in operating with your, your partner is just my, my thing is I escalate concern as I feel it's necessary. So I don't immediately go to the point of what is the worst possible outcome. That's me. I do that. Well, it, she does too. And then it's just you and eventually you kind of meet somewhere in the middle where the appropriate amount of concern is dispensed for whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. But I and that sometimes it takes a while to to get there. So that that's me is like, you know, let's not I, I, I prefer not to act like my hair is on fire is the best is the best description of it because because no, nothing really gets accomplished then. So like, let's be calm. Let's figure out the right solution and course of action. My partner is exactly the same way <laughs> where he's like, he's like, I feel like your life would be a lot happier if you weren't constantly anxious about everything all the time. And I'm like, probably <laughs> easier um, said than done, right? Easier said than done, especially when you've spent your entire life constantly preparing yourself for the worst possible outcome. And it's yes. like, oh, I have to have this amount in my like savings in order to be like, okay. And like, I have to have like, I have to constantly be prepared to have no money. I have to constantly be prepared to like get my heart broken. I have const constantly have to be prepared to like face rejection from work and like be fired. It's like, you know how fucking miserable that is constantly <laughs> living in like, like constantly living, like your life's about to freaking end basically. And mm -hmm. like, like you're about to like come your whole, like everything, you know, is about to come crashing down. Yep. It's fucking miserable. <laughs> so it's like so here's so maybe and maybe this is again this is a bit of a, an age generational thing too and and life experience because i've been fired a few times so it's just it doesn't it doesn't fright it doesn't frighten me now mm -hmm. as it as it would have years ago i still don't want it to happen no no and, one does well well there actually there was a point in my life where i was looking for the uh thanks for coming let's see you uh but you can your services are no longer required it worked out great because mm -hmm. it, it allowed me to evolve and do what i do now mm -hmm. so yeah but yeah no one likes to be fired it's not a pleasant experience i'll give you that i think the the thing that's changed for me especially and i think the pandemic really pushed forward this view of thinking for me was if anything bad happens, I know I'll be okay. It's like, exactly. if I lose my job, I know I can find another one. And I know that there will be people there to support me until I do. It is that feeling and that like belief that it's like, you know, you will be okay. And you know that you have people in your life that will help you be okay again. So it's like, I remember, I want to say like 
2019, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, like through the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, being terrified that I was going to lose my job with NASCAR sure. and being like, am, like, are we like, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to have to go find a new job? Like, oh my gosh. And it was just like, after meeting like my current, like my really good friend group that I have now and like my partner, it was like, I know I'll be okay. Like, I know if I lose my job with NASCAR, I'll be okay. And it might, you know, wherever it takes me after that, it might spark some new passion that I haven't discovered yet. So. You will 100% be okay because you have the capabilities mm -hmm. and I, you and I have talked about this before. I got your back anytime. So you've, you you've, uh, you 100% will be okay. So, and yeah, there's uh, there's exciting possibilities ahead. So mm -hmm. that's this this seems like a very positive and uplifting <laughs> point to kind of wrap up and and yeah. stuff too. It's just you know this is great and you can we can end on this point and you can and you can go on and carry on with some you know great sightseeing and great fish and and sushi and stuff in San Francisco and in and out burger. Of course, I can't oh. forget that and all the all the other stuff. Okay, so disclaimer is we have represented our own views, our comments, thoughts, ideas, suggestions do not represent any of our employers or anyone else that might uh, punish us or get us in trouble. How's that? Perfect. NASCAR, please don't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs>